uh, inspired, inerrant, authoritative word of God. And so please grab that. I'm going to invite Jeff McIntosh up today to read uh, your passage. And as he reads, would you please, if you're physically capable, please stand to honor the reading of God's word. Uh, Good morning, church. So as Brett said on page 858, we'll be reading through Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Uh, this is your church. Uh, these are your people. God, we're, we're just so grateful um, for, for Jesus, for salvation, and for the promise that when we gather in your name, you're going to be there with us. And so we pray, uh, Father, that as we gather now in the name of Jesus Christ, that your spirit would move unhindered through this room, uh, that you get the glory from everything that's about to happen. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have a seat. Well, I have a very, very special treat for you all today. All right, my gift to you this morning is that you don't have to hear me talk anymore, all right? And the church said amen. We have a special guest this morning, and I'm, I'm going to introduce you to him now. In uh, 19 years ago, Steve and Becky Dye moved their family to Berlin, Germany um, to start a church uh, in a city that is, was very devoid of any sort of Bible-believing church and, and have rode in one of the hardest uh, most spiritually oppressive fields that exist, and they've been serving it faithfully for 19 years. They are home on a forced furlough. Um, they, were, they have been forced by the German government and the American government together uh, to leave Germany for 365 days um, in order to, to do Social Security, just a bunch of legal stuff that will bore you, all right? But they have to be home for a year. And in that, um, one of the requests that they have made, because they have a young uh, German pastor who's, who's still finding his way, um, is to send... Um, some of their supporting churches to send pastors over to, to, to cover a few Sundays in Berlin. And so uh, in March, your pastor will be going over there uh, to Crossway. And so as a means of, of expressing gratitude and thanksgiving, Stephen Becker here today uh, to bless us with his own ministry from the Word. And um, can I just tell you, like, I think I said in the first service, I think Steve and I have been in the same geographical location four times, and that's wrong. I think it's been three times. Okay, now a couple of those were for a week at a time. But uh, you talk about inspiration from afar. Um, to watch just this man and his family's life unfold, um, just to see their heart for the gospel, see that, that this many years in, they're still constantly looking for new ways uh, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, they literally, what, who I'm about to introduce is one of my personal heroes. And so um, he deserves our full attention, he deserves our respect. I love when missionaries get to do this because uh, missionaries have given their lives in the foreign field. They come with a heart that, that is sold out to the gospel. And so uh, would you please uh, join me this morning in welcoming Steve Dye up to First Baptist North Stage. Well, thanks so much, Pastor Brett, and uh, it is our privilege to be here with you, First Baptist, North Terre Haute, and I was wondering about the name Terre Haute. I was curious, what does it mean? It's all French to me, looked it up, and um, the definition I found was uh, a level above, and I thought, you know, that really does describe this church, even though I've never been with you I've known about you, 
And um, in my opinion, by God's grace, uh, this is one of those level above churches. And uh, I say that because you really have uh, a heart for Jesus' commission to go in all the world and make disciples of all nations. You've sent uh, three teams uh, to Berlin to serve with us. You have supported financially and through your prayers uh, Fritz and Lynette Good, who served with us in Berlin several years, and now also uh, Christy Walker, our teammate who's there. Of course, you're going to be sending Pastor Brett uh, to serve us next month. So uh, level above, by God's grace. Now he who stands, take heed lest he fall, right? But uh, praise God uh, for this church. And it's a real privilege for uh, me to be here with you on this Sunday. Came with my wife, Becky, if you'd uh, wave your hand, and our 13-year-old son, Zach. And uh, we have four adult children. Our oldest is married, and they have recently have had their first child, so that makes us grandparents now. So one of the uh, blessings of being back in the States has been to uh, have time with our children and grandchild and parents and siblings and nieces and nephews as well as uh, churches such as yourself. And it's a blessing to be here. Just a little bit about the, uh, the church in Berlin. Uh, Crossway International Church is International Baptist Church is the name of the church. And uh, our motto there is presenting Christ to the nations in Berlin. And um, it's this unique, this beautiful combination of reaching out both to internationals and Germans. Uh, it is a very international city. Some uh, 500,000 foreigners in Berlin, one-third come from an immigrant background. And so, yes, we left the U.S. about 19 years ago, started off with a Bible study in our apartment, and uh, it was just uh, my wife Becky and me, and there was a retired couple who came over to help us initially for the first few months. So it was just the four of us uh, in our living room with this Bible study and our children also gathered around. And uh, we're up 76 stairs. And I remember time after time going over to the window and looking down at the street below. Oh, Lord, is anyone going to come and join us? And one by one, after several weeks, People would trickle in, and uh, there was a guy from Nova Sibir, Siberia, who we brought into our home, a scientist, and he was the first person who, who uh, gave his life to, to Christ. And uh, little by little, the Lord has built a church. Fritz and Lynette Good came over several months later, and we were able to launch uh, our first service, and uh, the Lord has grown a church, uh, and now we're very thankful, as Pastor Brett said, to have a German pastor who uh, I share ministry with. Uh, one of the uh, descriptions, if I could just leave this with you, I love this word picture here that the church is both an oasis and a launching pad. Uh, David Pedersen has written a book on international churches, and I think these two word pictures capture what an international church is. An oasis, it's a place where people can come who are in a very secular city in a dry and barren land where there is no water seemingly, they come and find refreshment spiritually. And they are, uh, in some cases, come to saving faith in Christ, and then they are discipled. 
And then most of our people will not stay with us that long. Sometimes it's just a few months. Other times, two or three years. They'll go forth to someplace else. It's a, an oasis, but also a launching pad. I was thinking of a young woman who came our way a couple of years ago, Agatha, from Zambia. She was with us for about a year, dear sister in the Lord, plugged into ministry with us, and then we heard the announcement, Pastor Steve, I need to leave. God's sending me elsewhere. And so now she is in the Netherlands, uh, shining the light of Christ there. And this is a picture of, of the sort of ministry it is, an oasis and then a launching pad. Excited about going back. We go back toward the end of the summer, and um, we're looking at uh, involvement still in Crossway as an elder, helping with leadership and preaching. But the Lord is really impressing on us maybe a new ministry leadership position in MENA, the Middle East in North Africa, providing leadership for some missionaries there with our mission, ABWE. And so we're praying about that and would appreciate your prayers as we need to make a decision regarding that. Well, our time to uh, go into the Word of God. And uh, I am going to just start off, we've had Jeff read Matthew 5, 14 to 16. That's where we're going to be in a little bit. But I'm going to start with another verse to lead us into that, and that is Acts 13, 47. And I'm just going to read this verse and then explain the meaning, why it's meaningful to us especially, and then we'll go into Matthew 5. Acts 13, 47, for this is what the Lord has commanded, I have made you a light for the nations, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Oh, our Lord, once again, as we continue on in this service, we call out upon you, great are you, as we have sung. What a privilege it is to follow you. Thank you for the precious word that you have given to us. It is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And we pray that you would help us to understand your word today and then help us through your spirit to apply it. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. So what we're going to do in our time together is uh, we are going to uh, talk about our mission and our mission is to be a light to the nations. And then we're going to ask ourselves a question. And the question is, what kind of light are we? So first of all, the mission. And um, this is where we, uh, we launch forth from this verse, Acts 13, 47. Very special verse. Uh, this is what Paul and Barnabas said. Paul and Barnabas were the first recorded missionaries in the New Testament. They were sent out by the church in Antioch, and this is kind of their mandate, their mission statement that they say as they are launched forth in Acts 13. Uh, the Lord commanded them, Paul and Barnabas, with this saying, I've made you a light to the nations that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And it's this verse, there were several verses that the Lord used in our lives 19 years ago, to move us from Grand Rapids, Michigan, to Berlin, Germany. Several verses, but this one stood out in particular. And it's what the Lord impressed on us. We have the opportunity in Berlin to be a light to the nations. Some 200 nations represented in the city of Berlin. 
And uh, it's impressed us so much that we actually have it on the church bulletin each week for all the people to there in Berlin to kind of embrace this as their mission. But here's what I want to share with you today. It doesn't just apply to my wife and me or the people in Berlin. Do you realize this is a mission for every single person in this room if you are a follower of Jesus? And why do I say that? This now takes us to the passage that Jeff read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus says this to all of his disciples, all believers of all times. He says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So the mandate, the mission for all of us is that we are indeed a light to the nations. We are a light to the world. Now, before we uh, move much further in our sermon, let me just ask you a question. Which is true? Is Jesus the light of the world, or are we the light of the world? Both, right? Yes, they both are true. Both of those are true statements. But what we have to realize is that one flows out of the other. We are only the light of the world because first and foremost, Jesus is the light of the world. I love, there are these themes that run through the storyline of Scripture, and this is one of them, that the prophesied Messiah, going back to the Old Testament, will be the light of the world. We see that in the pages of the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. Where we see it most pronounced in the Old Testament is in the book of Isaiah. What a deep, what a rich book, Isaiah and I'm just going to read a few verses in Isaiah that speak of the Messiah as being the light of the world. Isaiah 9:2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Isaiah 42:16, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, and I will turn the darkness before them into light. Isaiah 61, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Isaiah 63, Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And so the question the reader asks, Well, who is this light? And we come to Isaiah 49, and uh, in Isaiah 49, it is the second of four servant songs in Isaiah. So we come to Isaiah 49, verse 6, and we find that Yahweh's appointed servant, the prophesied coming Messiah is, and I quote, a light for the nations who will bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And it's that verse coming from that second servant song that Paul and Barnabas quote, and it's applied to their mission. And that is a mission that each one of us have. We are in union with Yahweh's appointed servant, the Messiah, who is the light of the world, and therefore we are the light of the world. You come to the end of the Old Testament, and it the question is, well, where is this prophesied light of the world? 400 silent years 
year after year, decade after decade, century after century. Where is he? And then we open up the pages of the New Testament and we find old man Simeon in the temple and he's holding in his arms a baby. And he looks down at the baby and he utters as he looks at the baby, this is the light for revelation to the nations, Luke 2.32. And the baby grows up into adulthood. He begins his public ministry and he stands before the crowds and he proclaims in John 8.12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Amen? And then what is almost more staggering than that is that he looks at us, his followers, and he says, you are the light of the world. It is the nature of Christians to be light. Do you realize that? If you are in union with Jesus Christ, it is your very nature to be light. Christians are those who have the light of Christ within them. As a believer, you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. Thus, you are a partaker in his divine nature, 2 Peter 1, 4. And because of our union with Christ, who is light, it is our nature to be light. We are like a city on a hill. We're like a lamp in a house. Now, we got to get it straight. We are not that light in the sense that Jesus, right? We reflect the true light, kind of like when you're looking at the moon. The moon reflects the light of the sun. So on a dark night, when you're looking at the moon, you're not really seeing the light of the moon. You're seeing the light of the sun, S-U-N. When others look at you, they should be seeing the light of the sun, S-O-N. It's the very nature of those in union with Jesus, Christians, to be light. But not only that, not only is it our nature to be light, it is our nature to be the light of the world. That's pretty staggering, isn't it? Um, our mission is to make disciples of all nations. And uh, I love this, of all nations. It's this uh, uh, Greek phrase, if we could put that up there, pantata ethne. And what this speaks of, when we think of nations, we think of uh, areas uh, divided by political, geographical boundaries, but that's not the intention here that the biblical authors have. The idea is people groups, ethno-linguistic groups, people who share the same ethnicity and language. And according to the Joshua Project, there are some 16,500 people groups. And what is amazing is how we are in a place now, as we move into the future, we're going to rub shoulders with more and more ethne. Uh, in the past 50 years, the number of international migrants has grown significantly. Now, when we talk about international migrants, we're talking about people who are now living outside of their passport country. And uh, back in 1960, there were some 79 million international migrants. Today, 
there are some 260 million, a 200% increase. If you were to put all the international migrants uh, in the world today, if you were to put them in a new land and call that migrant land, it would be the fifth most populated country in the world today. Unlike ever before, we have the opportunity to shine the light of Jesus to those from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. Brothers and sisters, if we are in union with Jesus, we are the light of the world. How awesome is that? That's our mission, to be a light to the nations. Now we have the question. Here's our question. It's a question I'm asking myself. I'm going to ask you the same question. Here's the question. What kind of light are we? And this is what Jesus begins to address then as he moves on in Matthew 5, verse 15. Jesus says this, verse 15. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So here's the question. It's our nature to be light. What kind of light are we? Now, I have some bad news and I have some good news as we go on in our sermon today. And uh, if someone asks you, I've got bad news, good news, what do you want first? What do you say? Yeah, you take the bad news. You should. I heard about a guy who, a patient, his, uh, his doctor called him up kind of out of the blue, and he said, I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news for you. Which do you want to hear first? And the patient said, well, doctor, of course, I want to hear the good news. And the doctor said, you've got 24 hours to live. And the patient said, well, if that's the good news, what is the bad news? And the doctor said, I forgot to call you yesterday. So, so if someone asks you the question, always take the bad news first. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to start with the bad news, okay? And then we'll move to the good news. The bad news is this. It's possible for us to hide our light. You realize that? This is Jesus' implication in verse 15. He talks about a lamp under a basket. The light is hidden. Now, I uh, have with me today a, uh, a replica of a Middle Eastern oil lamp. Talked to Pastor Brett. He said it's okay if I light it up. Uh, so I'm going to do that. And what's interesting about this is the Bible scholars who've, who've dug into this, they really believe that the oil lamp that Jesus was referring to uh, in the Sermon on the Mount here was very small, uh, the size of an oil lamp that would fit into the palm of a person's hand, uh, the palm of the hand. So anyway, uh, it would be about like this size, so we think, and uh, I'm just going to try to light it up here. And as I do, uh, you could imagine, just use your mind's eye, and you could just imagine if you think about a small Middle Eastern house, not like our luxurious uh, grand houses today, small Middle Eastern home, you could see how a lamp such as this would really light the house, could you not? And it could do more than light the house if I don't blow, blow this out. I think we will, uh, well, we will 
blow it out. Uh, but uh, you, you would also see how foolish it would be to take a basket, not to mention how unsafe, to, uh, to put a basket over. You, that, that just wouldn't make sense, right? Uh, but Jesus is implying here that this is indeed what can happen with his followers. Um, it is possible to hide our light. It's our nature to be light, but it's as though we can take a basket and put it over the light so that no one can see it. Now let me just ask you this. Uh, how is it that we might go about hiding our light? Bad news, hiding our light. I thought of two uh, main ways uh, in which maybe we keep our lamp under a basket. The first one is this. By not letting others know about our faith in Christ. Do you find it hard to share about your faith in Jesus to other people? I find it very hard. You, you say, well, you're a missionary. We've done outreaches, and I get so nervous. I, I've actually gotten kind of physically sick on the day that we're going to go out. It, I, I never really find it that easy. Now, it's one of those things, after I have shared my faith, have I ever regretted it? No, I have not. But it is, it is hard to share our faith like we should. And here's the sad reality. I came across this uh, statistic recently. 80% of professing Christians seldom or never uh, share about their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, are you in that 80%? Um, do others know about your faith in Jesus? What about your friends family members, co-workers, neighbors? Do they know about your faith in Christ? When God opens the door for you to share your faith, do you open your mouth? Uh, when is the last time you verbally witnessed to someone else about your faith in Jesus Christ? If this is just not happening, this is a way that you are hiding your light. You're putting a basket over the light. It's one way that we do this. Here's another way that I find sadly is all too common among professing Christians. The second one is this, by behaving badly. Uh, verse 16 refers to shining our light by letting others see our good works. The implication is that it's possible not to have much goodness to show. The words and actions of some professing Christians are no different than that of non-believers. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes even worse. This is a very sobering passage. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5. Ooh, read this. Not, you don't have to read it right now. I'll just refer to it. But this is uh, an example of some so-called Christians in the church in Corinth uh, who were involved in uh, very sinful behavior. And uh, here's what Paul says describing this behavior. It is of a kind that does not even occur among pagans. May God help us. We, this can happen even among professing believers. We, we are saying words. We're having actions that are not becoming of a follower of Jesus. I came across a, a website in which some people were 
of being very critical of Christians. And uh, here's what they said. Christians, they love to talk about how loving, dutiful, and compassionate they are. Yet I have yet to meet one who does not practice hypocrisy to the highest degree. Here's another one. Christians, they go to church every Sunday, and that's the only time they are holy. Another one. Their lifestyle does not reflect Christian faith and values. They cheat and lie and take advantage of others just like before they became Christians. For some people, some so-called Christians, it would really almost be better if they stayed under the basket so that people wouldn't be offended uh, by their words and actions that don't match up with the true follower of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, may God help us. His grace is available for us when we sin to repent. His kindness leads us to repentance. There's a quote uh, by a guy named late, uh, the late Brendan Manning. He's passed away, but uh, here's what he said. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. May the Lord help us to come to Him, come running to Him. I don't know what you might be experiencing right now. We are prone to wander away from our Lord. May we allow His grace to draw us back to Him so that we are not in the number of those Christians who are really behaving badly and casting such a negative light on authentic, robust, Bible-based Christianity. Amen? So uh, the bad news is this. It is possible to hide our light. How do we hide our light? Two ways. By not letting others know about our faith in Christ. Number two, by behaving badly. <laughs> we have bad news, but we have good news. And this is how it always is with God's word. We get hit with some bad news, but oh, God doesn't leave us there. He gives us good news. And we have some good news in our passage. The good news is this. We can be the light that Jesus calls us to be. You realize that? We can't, it's not only uh, possible, it's expected. We can be the light that Jesus calls us to be. How? By, as it says in verse 16, by displaying good works. And as we display good works, we'll be seen like a city on a hill, like a lamp in a house. Now what does that mean, to display good works? Is that a little surprising? What's interesting is if you dig a little deeper, it's a really cool word there, good works. It's this word kalos. And the word is that which is beautiful, attractive. It's a beauty that is manifest for all to see. There's another Greek word that refers to more of an intrinsic beauty. This is not that word. Kalos refers to that which is displayed, an attractiveness, a beauty that is displayed. 
And as that is present in our life, this is how our light shines. Still, though, it's a little surprising that Jesus wouldn't say uh, that we shine our light by preaching the gospel. Now, does he say that on other occasions? Are we supposed to preach the gospel verbally? Absolutely. He doesn't say that here, though. And the question might be, well, why? And I think, really, if we give it a little thought, we would come to an answer. And the answer would be this, because our actions speak more loudly than our words. I remember I was a little boy in a service like this, and and the preacher said this line that I never forgot. And maybe some of you have heard this. It's probably for old people like me more. But I'll just go ahead and say it, and you can say it with me. Our walk talks, our talk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. Have you ever heard that before? Some of you have. Okay. All right. Does someone say that here in church? All right. Let's let's do it again. Okay. You say it with me this time. Our walk talks, our talk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. How true is that? Recently, I heard someone else say this, and I thought, well, this is good. I jotted it down. If people like what they see, they will listen to what we say. And here's the idea here. We are living, through God's grace, a kalos life, an attractiveness, a beauty that is displayed. Then when we open our mouth and share, our words match up with our lifestyle. Now let me ask you this. Will everyone consider your words and your ways to be beautiful? They they won't. They really won't. And you have to realize this. This is one of the hard realities. Um, Here's what Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, that some have allowed the God of this age to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. The God of this age, the enemy, Satan, has blinded the eyes of many people and they do not see the light of the gospel. So you can be living a kalos life and there are some who will not see it. But that's not the end of the story. There are many others who will see it. The good news gets better among those who see the light of our beautiful life. Some will even end up glorifying the Father. Did you see that in verse 16? In the same way, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works, your kalos, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. When we shine our light, we get to have a part in people living out their chief end. That is being God glorifiers. It it doesn't get any better than that. Now let me ask you this. uh, How is it that we display good works? Is it that we just are determined each morning today, I'm going to be a good boy, I'm going to be a good girl? Is, Is that how it works? It doesn't work that way. We, we are pitiful human beings, but we have a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We display good works through drawing close to Him, 
the one who is our source of light. He is the beautiful one. As David said, one thing have I asked, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. John, 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. It's when we gaze upon him, when we see him, we worship him, we draw close to him, that his light shines through us. The God-man, while he was here on earth, lived a beautiful life. Acts 10.38, Peter said of Jesus that he went about doing good. You serve a Jesus who went about doing good. And as, our, as you are in union with him, his beautiful nature shines through you. Just want to tell you a story of uh, how I saw this demonstrated recently or heard about it being demonstrated. There's a picture that will be coming up shortly of uh, a guy. I just smile when I see his face. His name is Ladio, and Ladio came to our church uh, in Berlin back almost a year ago in the spring, and. Um, Ladio, right away, I just thought, man, this is a special young man. And I said, hey, Ladio, maybe we can meet up for coffee. And so we went to a, a coffee house in Berlin. And I said, Ladio, I'd, I'd love to hear your story. And he said, man, I'd love to tell it. And so uh, we just uh, had a chance over coffee to hear his story. And, and Ladio shares, shared with me how he grew up in a Muslim home in Albania didn't know anything about Jesus. And uh, one day, uh, while he was a student studying um, at the University of Tirana, capital city in Albania, studying linguistics and literature, he uh, went to a bank to apply for a loan, struck up a conversation with a young man, and somehow his interest in literature apparently came up, and the young man said, well, how about if uh, I'm a part of a Bible study why don't you come and join us? And so Ladio thought that, that'd be a great idea, the Bible being a great piece of literature. I'll go and have this study of the Bible. So he shows up expecting kind of an academic study of the Bible, and he's in this kind of cozy sitting, setting, and there are these young adults in a circle, and, and they're like um, not approaching the Bible as some academic uh, great piece of literature. And Ladio's a little taken aback. And then there's this man named Elton, an Albanian man, leading the Bible study. And he's coming across in such a way like Pastor Brett said, like, like this is actually the Word of God. Uh, this is authoritative. And Ladio was offended by that. And uh, he tries to rebut what Elton is saying. And they have this kind of clash in the group. But the conversation continues after that. For several weeks, they're going back and forth. Ladio putting forth his best arguments. Elton continuing to go on speaking the truth in love in a winsome way, showing kalos ways toward Ladio. Long story short, Ladio eventually came to saving faith in Christ. And to this day, Elton is still mentoring from a distance. Elton is still mentoring Ladio. I don't know that young man in the bank. I don't know Elton, but I want to be in their number. 
They are two people who are living out what we have read here in Matthew 5. Shining the light of Jesus. Two questions here at the end. The first question is this. Are you a follower of Jesus? <laughs> are you a follower of Jesus? I, I just plead with you. May this be the day if you are not. May you come to Jesus. Where else would you go? Who else has the words of life? Here's what Jesus said in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. <laughs> Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Are you a follower of Jesus? And the second question for you is this. If you are a follower of Jesus, are you shining your light? Remember, it is your nature to be the light of the world. Are you allowing his light to shine through you? In Isaiah's day, it was said this, in Isaiah 9 two, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Speaking of how Jesus would come for the first advent into the world. Now, as we're awaiting the second advent, are the people still walking in darkness? Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3.1, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. We are in days of what seems to be increasing darkness. But the light of devoted followers of Jesus cannot be hidden. The darker the night, the brighter the stars. The darker the culture, the brighter the Christian. Let's say that it's after the Super Bowl tonight and we all have a, a very late meeting or maybe early in the morning meeting and it's pitch dark in here and let's say once again we were to light this oil lamp now it wasn't that impressive when I lit it before because of all the other lights in the house but with this place being completely dark think how this would stand out this is how it is if you are a follower of Jesus and there might be some in this room right now. You are sensing a prompting that the Lord of the harvest would want you to go to even darker places. There are places in the Terre Haute area where there are pe people who don't really know much about Jesus. Maybe he wants you to shine your light there. Maybe there would be some of you who he wants to send to a remote part of the world to shine your light there. John Faulkner says this, I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. Let your light so shine before others so that they may see your attractive, callous ways and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Oh, our Lord, you are light. You are light, and in you is no darkness at all. Oh, our Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world. Oh, may we come to you as the one and true light, the light who brings life. 
And as we come to you, may we keep clinging to you and allow your light to shine through us and say, here I am, send me. I will go wherever you want me to go, shining your light. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Morning, church. Um, earlier this month, I had the opportunity to visit one of our new members' classes, and one of the things